Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. My name is Pastor Edwin, and I am really glad that you're here. Really, really glad. God is good. God is very good. Even in our trials and even in our difficulties, he's really good. Transformation takes place, but transformation does not take place in isolation. If you and I are going to change, if you and I are going to be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, it happens, but it doesn't happen by yourself. It doesn't happen all alone. Transformation in the economy of the gospel takes place within community. It happens together. See, all of us want to change for the better. Is there anyone here who does not want to change for the better? Raise your hand if you do not want to change for the better. You like where you are and you're going to stay there for the rest of your life. You're an old dog and nobody's going to teach you new tricks, right? Yeah, most of us, most of us would say, no, 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 transformation is something I want. I want to look more like Jesus. I want to be more, I want to look more like the image of Christ. All of us want to. And yet, and yet for many Christians, there's a struggle. We don't see transformation. We don't see change in our lives. We've been in a series called How's About Jesus for a Change? And in this uh, series, what we've been talking about and the thing that we've kind of wanted to come back to over and over again, the, the thing that we've wanted to come back to is what if the way we looked at change changed? What if the way you and I view change, now let me tell you how you and I view change. And I don't, you know, maybe it's presumptuous for me to speak on your behalf, but let me tell you what I've seen in a lot of people's lives in how they view change. Change is an isolated incident done by yourself. If you're going to change, you're going to have to do it by your own bootstraps. You're going to will yourself to change. Also, change is instant. If change is anything, it's instant. And Change happens out here. It happens in what you could see, feel, taste, touch. Change happens out here. Well, the Bible speaks about change in a different way. What if change wasn't instant? What if it was gradual? And what if change didn't happen uh, out here, but happened in here? And what if change... The, the objective is to look more like Christ, not so that you could get over a bad habit or over a thing that you're struggling with. What if change started inside, was gradual, and is eternal? What if that was true about change? Well, that is true about change, and we've been talking about that for the last three, uh, last three weeks. And you can go back into... The beginning, I encourage you, go on our website, rhowbk.org, and uh, download or listen to the, uh, the podcast or uh, at the website. You can just listen to it there. Um, and, to, and you can 
catch up on what we've been talking about. Today, what we're going to talk about is something that's so important to change that I can, listen to me, you're not going to change. You're not going to change if, you don't, if we don't do what we're going to talk about today. I know you're going to fool yourself and think, oh, but look, I'm changing. No, no, no. no. You can do all sorts of things that make it look like you change, but that's not really change. All of us can. I can. So the guy who is a womanizer, he comes to Christ, and he's no longer a womanizer. But he goes to work, and he tries to conquer every client. He doesn't care if he lies or cheats or steals. He tries to conquer every co-worker. He tries. So his conquering is no longer uh, with women. Now his value is found in conquering other people at work. The person who struggles with an eating disorder, they, they stop uh, uh, binging and purging. They stop overeating. They go, oh, I'm not going to get my comfort from there. But what they do is they stop that, and now they start over-shopping. You see, what they do is nothing has changed, only the outside has changed. You're not going to change unless we do what we talk about today. The, the person who cuts themselves, you know, they get angry with themselves, and they get so frustrated they don't know what to do, they cut themselves. They stop cutting themselves, and you know what they start doing? They start saying all sorts of vile, disgusting things to themselves in their mind. You see? Because change won't happen unless we do what we're about to talk about today. Those of us who are, uh, who are going towards a substance to try to make us feel better or try to forget the past, we, we go from substance to relationship. Why? Because nothing has really changed. You're not going to change unless change happens. Unless what we talk about happens in your life. Change is important. The goal of Christianity is not to make more services than everybody else. The goal of Christianity is not to listen to more sermons from me. The goal of Christianity is not to make sure that you come every Sunday. That's not, and by the way, I think that'll help, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be more like Jesus. And that happens, being more like Jesus, that happens together. If you have to leave early, I want you to know that the big idea for today's talk is transformation happens together. That you, I will never be all that God wants me to be without you. It won't happen. I'll never do it. And you won't ever be all that God would intend for you to be without each other. He simply won't. If, if we're serious about transformation, if we're serious about change, if we don't want 2015 to look like 2014, if we don't want to continue going back to the habitual sin that gets us depressed and, and just robs us of our dignity, if we don't want to go back to the same way it always was or the same way we were, if transformation is going to take place, it's going to have to take place together. Now, let me give you the end at the beginning. Can I give you the end right now? At the end, I'm going to ask you to get into a small group. 
Oh, right. Yeah, this stinks, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Now, watch it. You go, well, what's a small group? A small group is a group of people, a community, that's committed to being together, to help each other look more like Jesus. That's it. And I'm going to ask you to get in one. We, and you go, but I don't have any time. That's okay. We have different times of the day where we have our small group. You go, yeah, but days of the week are, are real rough for me. That's okay. We have different days of the week. Um, you go, but you know what? I only, I, I don't feel comfortable being around, you know, I'm a woman and I don't feel comfortable about being around other men. Good news. We have a women's group. You go, yeah, but I'm a guy and I don't feel comfortable around being around other women. Good news for you. We have a guy's group. You go, oh, I don't feel comfortable being in a room with just guys and just women. Cool, we have some co-ed groups for you as well. You go, I can't meet at night. I can't meet at night. You can't make me meet at night. Boy, I can't do it. You know, I don't feel comfortable meeting at night. Good, we have one at 7 in the morning. You go, I can't wake up that early. That's okay, we have some at 7 at night. You go, listen. You go, but I'm an introvert. Listen, your proclivity should not, should not be the indicator of your obedience to Christ. There's nobody here who's more of an introvert than I am. I dare you to point to somebody. I'm telling you, I got you introverted out. I am as big an introvert as you will ever see in your entire life. And yet, I'm going to be in two small groups because I got a lot of change to do. But at the end of this, I'm going to ask you, because you're serious. You know why you're going to join the group? You're serious about change. You don't want to just talk change. You want to be about change. This is not a church that just wants to stay stuck and talk about, yeah, I want to see transformation and it's going to happen and I'm going to see transformation in my marriage. I'm going to see transformation with my kids. I'm going to see transformation in my own life. I'm going to see transformation in my eating and in the way I deal with people. You're not just going to talk about that. You're going to be about that because that's what this church is about. And so we're going to move in that way. So you have like a sort of an orangey, right? Is that orange? Yeah? More or less? There's so many colors now, it's ridiculous. Um, so you're going to have this. And what I want you to do, at the end, I'm going to give you all the options that we have. I'm going to give you all the options that we have in terms of small groups. We have like, it's incredible actually. It really is amazing. Um, I want you to put down your name. Here's, at the end of the service, I want you to put down your name, email, phone number, and what group you're going to be joining. Oh. Pastor Gus's group. Oh, Sister Liz's group. Oh, Sister Luisa's group. Oh, Pastor Edwin's group. Oh, a Sister Joanne's group. You're going to choose one of those. You don't have to write it down now, but I know you're going to do it. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell your neighbor. You're going to choose a group, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to say Try it again. Okay, tell your neighbor. You're going to choose a group, right? Uh, all right, there's nothing like a little... Peer pressure to, all right, okay, now listen to me, now listen to me. For a bunch of you, you're really looking for the door right now. I know you are, I know, because it's an introverted thing, and, and, and it's so much easier, listen to me, listen to me. I just recently, I just recently started a college, really neat deal, right? So I'm going uh, to school, and um, they actually want papers written. And it's so much more fun to me, for me to read the books and to highlight and underline and circle and star and say go back to and make notes in the back of the book. That is super fun for me. I love that. This thing about writing papers on a, a seminary level 
is a drag. You got to cite sources. You got to do all these other things. You have to, uh, the font has to be this way. It's, it's, it's a drag. But watch this. Dude, you want the degree? Yes. Okay, then write the papers. <laughs> right? Okay. Dude, do that. Do you want to grow? Then experience community. Now, here's what I know. I love you, and I read my Bible, but I can't read your Bible for you. I love you, and I'll attend my groups, but I can't be in community for you. You're going to have to choose that. And as uncomfortable as it is, I don't know anything that I've ever grown at that wasn't uncomfortable to start with. Okay? So would you just, listen, would you just, we're going to pray for just 30 seconds, and here's what I want you to pray. God, would you make me at least open-minded? Don't make me so close to this. Because it might be the very thing that transforms everything. Okay? So I'm going to pray for you, then we're going to get into the text. Is this okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to look at your text, to look at your word, and marvel at who you are. Lord, I know that I do not, and no one here has the energy, the strength, the time to do what we're going to talk about today. So Lord, would you make it a priority to us? Would you help us to do this? Would you draw us to yourself and see Jesus as glorious and wonderful and seeing him as empowering us because he's done this for us. So help us, O oh God, to be open-minded and to be willing. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, transformation happens together. Let's say that together three times. Transformation happens together. Say it again. Transformation happens together. One last time. Transformation happens together. Now watch this. Let's say this once. My transformation can't happen without you. Okay, let's say that together. My transformation can't happen without you. Now I want you to tell your neighbor, my transformation can't happen without you. Okay, now tell the person that you ignored the first time uh, on the other side. Okay, go say, my transformation can't happen without you. Yeah, you're right. Let me tell you something. You are right. Listen, You'll never give up the drink. You'll never give up the self-pity. You'll never give up the self-centeredness. You'll never give up the lack of patience. You'll never give up the biting words that you say to your spouse. You'll never give up the diet. You'll never give up the bad habit. You'll never give up the overspending. You'll never give it up unless, unless in Christ you're in community and that community comes around you and says, you can't do it. Let's do it together in Christ. I'm telling you, this is so powerful. It's so powerful. It'll change your life. Okay, so we're going to read the word together. Now we have very little time, so what I want us to do is stand together at the reading of the word. I cannot go over every verse that we're going to, um, uh, in your bulletin, right? In your bulletin you have uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. So we're going to go through 1 through 5, and then we're going to jump to 11 through 15, okay? So we're going to do that. But uh, what I want you to do is I want you to read it at home. Isn't that a novel idea, right? Read your Bibles at home, 
Okay, so with a nice loud voice, uh, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll read the first five verses and then we'll all read 11 through 15 together. So let me just, I'll start first. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Making, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 11, one, two, three. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning of craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. Awesome. This is God's Word. Please, have a seat. Okay, so let's look at verses 1 through 5. It would probably take me at least four weeks to get through this. And I can cram it all today in four hours if you want to stay. Yeah, not so much, right? Okay, I get it. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's like one or two of you who are like, yeah, I love it. Yeah, not, so, not all of you though. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a 30,000 foot view of this and then we're going to start zeroing in uh, between 11 through 15 and really look at uh, 15 under a microscope, verse 15. So let's look at it. Verses 1 through 5. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Okay, quick caveat. Guys, if you're saved, you're called. If you don't have to be concerned about, man, I wish I was called. I wish I did. No, 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 no. If you're saved, you're called. You can't be called without being saved. Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Let me ask you a quick question. Why would anybody tell anybody else to be completely humble, patient, and bearing with one another in love? Why would anybody say that to somebody else? Because they're not. And Paul is speaking to the Ephesians, the, the people at Ephesus, and he's talking about unity. And if we're talking about unity, then we're going to have to be patient, bearing with one another in love, completely humble, and yeah, we're going to have to be that. We're going to have to be that. You need that. You need that in marriage. You need that in family life. You need that with your kids. You need, you especially need that in the church. Beloved, if there is no one in this community that demands that you grow your love muscle, do you understand what I'm saying when I say, I mean, that they are so difficult to deal with you have to practice 
Christ-centered love, and it's hard to do. If there's no one in this community that you have to do that with, then you're not involved in a church. You're involved in a congregation. You might meet on Sundays. But if there's no one in here that demands your patience, no one in here that demands it, because you know why? You can't put two people together. You can't put two people together. You can't put a group of people together and there not be some level of friction. Paul says, be completely humble. Be patient with one another. Bear with one another. Not just tolerate, bear. Not just try to get around, bear. Not just try to, okay, i got to avoid this person. No, 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 no. Bear with one another in love. Because the community of believers, the, the congregation of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, the church, that comes together, is going to be characterized by a loving community. And if we're going to be an authentic community, that, we can't fax that in. We can't just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, it's easy, right? Because we're sitting in rows, and I'm looking at the back of someone's head, and I really don't have to deal with anyone. If there's no one here in this community that doesn't make it difficult, that doesn't test and try your patience, if there's no one, you're not really, you're not, you've got no skin in the game. You're an attender of a service. You're not the church. Verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need to make every effort because it's very easy. You have to make no effort to cause division in the church. Did you know that? You need zero effort to cause division, divisiveness, uh, mean-spiritedness, gossip, backbiting. You need absolutely no help with that. That happens by default. That happens naturally. So Paul says, make every effort. He emphasizes this. This is, in fact, the same word uh, uh, that he uses when he talks about, I'll make, I'm making every effort to make it out to your, you know, when he's talking to another church, that he's making every effort to meet with them. He's going, man, you know, come by boat, come by land, come, make every effort, try, work on it. Because unity is important. And how do we do this unity? It's the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Everything, everything that we do is not in our own strength. Everything that we do is looking to Christ and how He's already achieved it for us. Notice what it says here. Make every effort to keep the unity. Not every effort to make the unity. Every effort to keep the unity. Who has given us unity? Christ. In Christ, we're his body. And our unity is found in him. Not in my ability to like your personality or your ability to like my personality. Our unity is found in Christ. Christ, in who he is and what he has done, in Christ's glorious power to draw us together. In this room, you have lawbreakers and law enforcement. 
In this room, you have doctors and dope fiends. In this room, right now, I'm not making this up. I'm thinking of some of y'all right now. Like, um, forgive the dope fiend thing. Um, uh, maybe not you. Uh, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, listen to me. Listen to me. Our unity happens not from our ability to be like one another, but our, our, the gift of Christ having loved us. Whether you're a doctor or a dope fiend, your sin deserves death. And Christ died for your sin. So we're gloriously, if Christ went all the way to endure uh, the cross for a person like me, surely I can love you, put up with your breath or your habits or your, you know, you, you get what I'm saying, right? You know, surely if, if Christ has done all this for me, it's found in Christ. Keep the unity because Christ has already created the unity. There is one by, and then he does this whole theological thing that I did in the first service, verses four and five. Um, there is one, and what he does is he works from, interestingly enough, he, usually when you see this sort of thing, uh, you see it work from Father to Son to Holy Spirit and then the church. If you see a list like this, Paul starts with the church and then ends with the Father. But you can see that community is important within the Godhead. Some of us never really think about the Trinity or the Godhead. And you go, is the Trinity in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. Um, but what does that matter? The concept is the Godhead is. Uh, rapture is not in the Bible. And yet, uh, many of you have no problem believing that. And so, um, that's, that's not something that we need to fuss about. But the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they exist in, they're one, right? He's one God. We only have one God. We don't have a multiplicity of gods. We don't have, uh, but we, that's the uniqueness about our God. He is three in one. Do you know why we could say God is love? Do you know why? Because he's a community as well. See, before anything else was, the Father loved the Son. And the Son loved the Father. And the Spirit loved the Son. And the Father loved the Spirit. In that's why we don't say God has love or God gives love or God, uh, God, we say God is love because he was, now watch this, God wants us to experience the perfect unity that he has in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be Trinitarian and so he asks us to be together. He asks us to be, right? This is what it means for God to have created you in his image. Be like God. Be in community with the body of Christ. And so that's what Paul speaks about in the there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, we jump down to verse 11. And here's the purpose clause. Here's one of the purpose clauses here. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
Listen to me. Many of us think that the church is coming up together, coming together like this, sitting in rows, and then letting the professionals do the work. The professional introducers, the professional message announcers, the, the professional uh, uh, you know, offering takers, the professional musicians, the professional worship leader, the professional pastor, the professional speaker. And we think that our job is just to sort of sit back and receive. It's not the case. If you've been called, if you've been if you've been saved by God, you've been called by God. And here's another thing. You've been gifted by God. This actually made me cry throughout this week. I am God's gift to you. And you are God's gift to me. None of us were ever meant to be in a silo, in isolation, by ourselves all of us were meant to live in Christ together. Why? Because transformation happens together. You look more like Jesus together. That's why. Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Listen, if you don't use your gift, I'm going to lose out. Are there things in your life, just think about this for a second, think about this for a second. Are there things in your life that you wish you could change or that you didn't like about yourself or that there are issues that you're still struggling with? Is there anything, anybody here have issues like that? Yeah? Okay, me too, me too. Watch it. By and large, many of us struggle with things because those who were given the gift to help us with that are not using it. If you want to get deeper, there's a gift that you are not using that somebody else is hurting because you're not using your gift. Because God made us to be Trinitarian Christians, Christians who come together, who say, brother, do you have, man, we, we have this wonderful, uh, it's a goofy uh, small group at 9 a.m., uh, you can come if you want, um, I don't know if you would want to, but it's at 9 a.m., right? And it's me and two other people. And what we do is we, we do this exercise program. And let me tell you why we do this exercise program. Not because I need to exercise some more. I think I exercise plenty, honestly. But because they wouldn't start. And it wasn't enough for me to just go try harder, do better. Come on, get on your diet. Come on, it's a new year. No, no, no. I, I have an idea. One day a week, I'll do the exercise with you. Come into my office, and we'll, we'll do it together. And so we're like jumping up and down, and we're doing all this stuff, and you know, and it's great, right? And we do it for like 15, 20 minutes, and whatever it is, and watch this. And then there's encouragement throughout the week. Hey, how are you doing? Are you, are you staying with We're doing it together, because you're never meant to get healthy together. You're never meant to get skinny together. You're never meant to stop drinking by your... Uh, I've been saying all this together. I mean, you are meant to do this together. You were never meant to do it alone. You were never meant to do it in isolation. You were never meant to do it by yourself. We do it together. We do it together. Okay. So Christ gives us gifts to the church so that the church can be built up so that we can go out and do the ministry. And here it is. And here it is, verse 13. Until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is huge. 
Guys, do you know why we do all that? Do you know why we're together? Do you know why we meet in groups? Do you know why we love on each other? Do you know why we not tolerate, but are patient and loving with one another, even when we're struggling? Do you know why when somebody says, you know, man, I've been struggling with my alcoholism. I just had a beer an hour ago. You go, oh, I just purchased something on the computer. Would you help me? I'll help you. And you, you live in community like that because you're looking towards Christ and you're not looking towards each other. The reason we do that is because we're all supposed to reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus. You see, here's the thing. I help you helps me. You helping me helps you. I can't tell you. You know what? If you've never, ever, if you've never, ever been there for someone in a hospital who's near death and who's like, you know, days or minutes away from death, and, and you've never sat with them, you don't, man, you just, you miss out on the beauty of this principle. This principle of being there for someone else and being blessed by it. If you've never had to, just be there for a, a friend who's going through a great deal of trauma and you're there and they go, thanks for helping me. And you go, I think you helped me more than I helped you. If you've never been married and, and gone around another couple who's struggling and you had your own struggles and you were able to confess your own struggles and then they shared with you and they were like, wow, you're amazing. You have no idea how much you've helped me. You can say to them, you have no idea how much. You've helped me. Why? Because we're created together. When I help you, I grow in the faith. But you do too. When you help me, you grow in the faith. But so do I. We're all meant to grow in the unity of the faith, to grow in the Son of God, to grow in Jesus together. There's an old African proverb, and it says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. You see, there's a difference. If you want to go fast, if you want to just, oh, no, it's all right, I'll just address this on my own, I'll take care of it, it'll be less messier, it'll be easier. Listen, I understand that, but you're not going to get very far. You're not going to get very far. Verse 14 then, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who have been on fire for Jesus, but because they're Lone Ranger Christians, but because they're high and by Christians, but because they're Christians who only make a Sunday service and don't uh, invest in group life. Listen, I can't tell you how many I've seen of those people totally ruin their lives. I'm not talking about minor ruining. I'm talking about crazy, your jaw drops, he's doing how many years, she's got how many scars, like that. Craziness. Because why? Because all Satan wants to do is he wants to get you alone. It's like, um, have you ever, anybody ever seen like the animal planet or ever seen like things like that, right, right? And then you see, and, and the lion is crouching down as he looks on the deer. Right. Okay. So, right. Yeah. So you've seen stuff like that. And so have you ever heard of the wild dogs of Africa? I actually want one, man. They're so cool. The wild dogs of Africa, they are nasty. They're so vile. They're so fearless that they'll actually um, uh, attack uh, a 
bunch of hippopotamus. What's the name of like a flock? It's not a flock. It's a it's like a crash. I think they call it a crash. Um, that's what a bunch of hippopotamus are together, a crash, which you can understand why, right? Because hippopotamus start running, there's something bad's going to happen. So, okay. So, um, the wild dogs of Africa, they're brilliant. Here's what they do. They travel in packs, and what they do is they, whether it's elephants or, or hippopotamus or whatever, they start jumping, running back and forth, biting at the feet of these animals, these huge, massive animals. As they start biting at their feet, what usually happens is the weak or the, or the young one. Sometimes both, but either or. They're either weak, like wounded, or young, like, you know, don't have a whole lot of experience, and they get turned around. They get turned around. They were running with the pack, and they get turned around, and they start running in a different direction. And the pack keeps on nipping at the heels until there's sufficient distance. And then it's as if they stop, and they all focus on that one. They start running after it, and they start wearing it down until eventually they have lunch. You know why that happens? Because it didn't stay within the pack. It was never meant to be a loner animal. It was, I wonder if you, I wonder if you know where I'm going with this. The reason some of you have been chewed up and spit out is because you were never meant to be a loner couple. You were never meant to be a loner single. You were never meant to be a loner parent. You were never meant to be a loner man or a loner woman. You were never meant to be a loner. You were meant to do the Christian walk in community in our pack. Then we will no longer be infants. Then we won't be turned around and devoured by those dogs. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Somebody say speaking the truth in love. You're going to have to practice that. If you find yourself in a group, you're going to have to practice this. Because everybody goes, I can't, and, and why do we do this? I go, well, I'm just telling the truth. Did I ever tell you the story? I know I had to tell you the story because it's one of the most frustrating things I've ever seen. Um, the, I, I was in an elevator and there was a guy, and this was a, like a, a luxury apartment complex. So it was like, you know, it was a very nice um, thing. So, so uh, you know, we all get in, and, you know, the elevator goes up, and one of the people there is obviously working on the building. He's a construction worker, he's dirty, and he has a little B.O., right? Like, you know, he has a, he has a little scent to him. But you, you totally understand that because he was working, right? You know, it's no big deal. You're in an elevator. Just keep it going. And it's no big deal. I would smell the same way if I had to do the job that he did. Well, uh, we're going up, and this little girl, I don't know, she was 9, 10, 11. I don't know how old she was. She goes, Mommy, someone smells. Everybody, in the, listen, everybody's got their shoes on. Everybody's got their perfume on. Everybody knows who smells in the elevator, right? Mommy, and the mother goes like this, now, sweetie, don't say that. And you know what the little girl says? I'm just telling the truth, <laughs> of which I just wanted to grab a belt and just go, okay, I got some truth that you don't know yet. Um, I, oh, it was so frustrating to me. I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I wanted to hit somebody else's kid. Um, <laughs> let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because the truth without love is not truth, it's cruelty. And love 
without the truth is not love. It's fear of man. We're to speak the truth in love. You and I must speak the truth. Because together, if transformation happens together, it, happens to, it has to be done in the spirit of Christ. Think of how patient Christ has been with us. Think of how loving Christ has been with us. Think of how we've turned our back on Christ and he's never turned his back on us. Think about how Christ never brings up the past, but only brings us, draws us to his future in him. Beloved, 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 beloved. We're to speak the truth in love. When you get into your group, speak the truth in love. We're probably supposed to hear the truth in love too. Because sometimes we don't have that tone of voice or sometimes there's a curl of a lip or a curl of an eyebrow that someone does and all of a sudden, you know, it's not what they said, it's you think it's how they said it. And we just have to give grace. But we're to speak the truth in love and we're to hear in love as well. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. You see that? We will grow. We will change. We will be transformed to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We will look like Jesus. We will grow. We will be transformed if in community and in the spirit of Christ, we love one another and grow in him. I beg you, transformation happens together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for shedding your blood for our transgressions. Thank you for not only dying for us, but being willing to die for us loving to die for us. Help us to love to live for you. That you would be glorified. Lord, I know that there's so much resistance to us becoming a people who do life together in community. Would you break through that? Would you help us? For we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for coming to this service. I'll see you next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday.